Kermit. That Paul Simon is fantastic. Yeah. He's really the kind of performer I'd like to be. Well, well he, he comes from a different area of show business. He's so entertaining. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, from now on, I am going to be a songwriter. You write songs? Yeah, you want to hear one? No! Hi-ho, and welcome once again to A Feat of Lunatic Daring, the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, Muppetational podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. My name is Chad. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Jackson. Nick, what do you say? I don't know enough Paul Simon lyrics to really make that reference, and I know this is a golden opportunity. I'm going to kick myself for it, Trevor. It's it's late fall, though, so I'll call it a hazy shade of winter. <laughs> it's close. It's close. Close enough. How you doing tonight? Doing all right. Um, it is day two of a four day weekend because yesterday I got my booster shot and today is Veterans Day. I was I was interested. My kids didn't get Veterans Day off. That is weird. So yeah, um, it's it's a floating holiday. I got to pick between this and Juneteenth, which feels weird. But I'm just going to let it be what it is. <laughs> um, four day weekend though. That sounds nice. Right. Entirely on accident because I didn't realize what I was doing when I scheduled my booster. How's your booster treating you? Uh, fine. Actually, I wasn't sure if it was going to get me just a little bit of soreness in the arm. And then I had a lot of like last minute running around to do yesterday. So I was dehydrated, but it didn't get much worse than that. That's good. That's good. That's better than mine. This is a feed of lunatic daring. We're podcast about Jim Henson and the Muppets. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to check us out on social media at lunatic daring on Facebook, Instagram, and probably not Twitter for too much longer. I'm not sure Twitter's going to exist by the time this comes out. We'll see. That's how messed up it is right now. <laughs> I mean, does MySpace still exist or is that completely off? I don't, I don't know if MySpace still exists or not, you know. Get on GeoCities. Maybe we'll get on GeoCities. We'll, we'll create an, an angel fire site. But uh, Twitter, as we record this, Twitter is in its first week of Elon Musk and it is burning. Um, <laughs> it's burning down to the ground. And there's also our website, lunaticdaring.com, where you can check out all of our episodes, our watch list, and our bibliography. We're currently going through this fifth season, the final season of The Muppet Show, two episodes at a time. We're already about like halfway through the season. Yeah, and that's what we're doing right now for season five is, tr- is we're, we're, we're getting close to the end. It's weird to think because we, we haven't been doing this that long or maybe we've time's an illusion after the pandemic. But it's weird to think that we're already at the end of The Muppet Show. A couple of musical guests tonight. Mm-hmm. One, one episode that I'm a big fan of. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Let's get started. Paul Frederick Simon. How's that for a boost start for you? Why? Why does Frederick being his middle name weird me out so much? Paul Frederick Simon was born October 13th, 1941 in Newark, New Jersey, but he ended up growing up in Queens. He's the son of Hungarian Jewish parents who had emigrated either before or during the war. His father was a college professor and a bass player, and his mother was a school teacher. When he was 11, he met a boy at school named Art Garfunkel, and they became fast friends. They began singing together when they were 13 and even performed at an occasional school dance. Paul wrote his first song, The Girl for Me, at the age of 12, and he wrote it for he and Art to perform. In 1957, they recorded a song under the name Tom and Jerry, which the label gave them. It was a name, 
the label gave them the name Tom and Jerry, but they had a little mini label even in their mid-teens. They recorded a few more songs as Tom and Jerry, but Simon also wrote and rec- recorded solo songs as well as songs with other artists, but it was always Paul doing the writing. But in 1964, he and Art auditioned for Columbia Records, who signed them and had them change their name to Simon and Garfunkel. Now, I'm not going to go into Simon and Garfunkel's discography. I'm going to just run a medley of their songs right now. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence I have no need of friendship Friendship causes pain It's laughter and it's loving I disdain I am a rock I am an island And look around These are brown now And the sky Is a hazy shade of winter I hang on to your hopes, my friend I am just a poor boy Though my story is seldom told I have squandered my resistance For a pocket full of mumbles Such are promises All lies and chess Still a man hears what he wants to hear And disregards the rest And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson Jesus loves you more than you will know Whoa, whoa, whoa God bless you please, Mrs. Robinson Heaven holds a place for those who pray Hey, hey, hey Hey, hey, hey first record didn't sell so well, but the subsequent one, subsequent ones, Sounds of Silence, Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Time, Bookends, and Bridge Over Troubled Waters did sell quite well. 
Troubled Waters actually became the highest grossing out, al- highest selling album of all time for a little while there. They famously contributed songs to the 1967 Mike Nichols film, The Graduate. Simon and Garfunkel broke up in 1970 due to these old friends not getting along with each other anymore. Over the decades, they would reunite here and there, including for the famous 1981 concert in Central Park and a 2004 concert at the Coliseum in Rome that was reportedly attended by 600,000 people. Despite this, it is widely believed that the two men kind of hate each other now. After the break, Paul Simon went solo. Well, I'm on my way. I don't know where I'm going. I'm on my way. I'm taking my time, but I don't know where. Goodbye to Rose, the queen of Corona. See me and Julio down by the schoolyard. If you be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. I can call you Betty. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. Songs that whisper in my ears Still crazy after all these years Oh, still crazy after all these years I am following the river down the highway Through the cradle of the Civil War I'm going to Graceland, Graceland To Memphis, Tennessee I'm going to Graceland Slip out the back, Jack Make a new plan, Stan You don't need to be coy, Roy Just get yourself free Hop on the bus, Gus You don't need to discuss much Just drop off the key, Lee And get yourself free It was a dry wind And it swept across the desert And curled into the circle of blue And the dead sand Falling on the children, the mothers and the fathers and the automatic earth These are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow mode The way we look to us all Oh I'm not going to run down Paul's entire solo career. Uh, It's been too long and he's been too productive and we're here to talk about Muppets. He taught songwriting at NYU, wrote and produced the the Broadway musical The Cape Man in the late 90s, which was a total flop. He did a little acting, had a memorable role in 1977's Annie Hall, did The Muppet Show. He He has appeared on Saturday Night Live 14 times as host and guest. 
He actually hosted the second ever episode, meaning his Muppet Show appearance was not the first time he shared a bill with Jim Henson. He also played the boxer to a group of of first responders on the first post 9-11 episode of the show. He has won 12 Grammys and is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Won an Oscar for the song Father and Daughter, which was in the soundtrack to the animated film The Wild Thornberries movie. He has won more things and been awarded more honors than you can count. And is considered one of the greatest songwriters this country has ever produced. He's been married three times, including to everyone, including he's been married three times, including to everyone's favorite foul mouth space princess, Carrie Fisher. That union only lasted from 83 to 84, although they stayed together for a few years after the divorce. He's been with Edie Brickell of New Bohemians fame since 1992, about which he wrote at least three songs since 1992. They have three children and Paul has a son, Harper, from his first marriage in the early 70s. Today, he is 81 years old. Like, I wouldn't typically list him on, among my favorite songwriters, but he's pretty ubiquitous, and then even I have heard a good number of his songs. And I've enjoyed largely all of them, all of the ones that I have heard from him. I just don't, it, it's sort of an out of sight, out of mind thing. Muppet Show episode number 511 with special guest star Paul Simon, produced May 9th and May 23rd, 1980, debuted in the spring of 1981. We have our cold open. So Paul arrives to the backstage, and Pops is working on a lever for a trap door. It's, it's stuck. And um, Paul, being very helpful, attempts to fix the lever so that it works, and he p- ends up pulling the lever, and um, Pops falls through the, through the uh, floor, through the trap door. And then Paul says, I love that. But then again, I know 50 ways to love your lever. Now, before you t- say anything. You knew what I was about to say? Before you say anything, this is a play, of course, on his song, 50 Ways to, to Leave Your Lover, which we'll hear later. But yes, in here, it's 50 Ways to Love Your Lever. It's the companion to Asimov's Dirty Old Man book. We're going to get this joke multiple times throughout the episode. This is the one time that I found it entertaining. The other time we get that joke, I actually find it annoying, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that. But yeah, it does, it does feel like a dirty joke. It's a good one. Uh, they weren't <laughs> even really trying to sneak it in either. It's just right there. It's just a pun, but puns can be dirty, but puns can definitely be dirty. Uh, we have our Muppet show theme. Gonzo's trumpet sounds like a duck. And then a duck shows up to give Gonzo a kiss. So the thing about the phrase kissy kissy is we only usually hear it from Miss Piggy, but I kind of want to find out that it's like a sleeper activation phrase, like in the mentory and candidate or something, just because there's something very specific about it, but also like dressed up as something kind of innocuous. So Kermit comes out to introduce the show. Thank you, thank you, and welcome again to The Muppet Show. And we have a wonderful show for you tonight because our guest star is one of America's great composers, Mr. Paul Simon. Yes, so sit back and enjoy yourselves as we proudly present an entire evening devoted to the music of Paul Simon. Now, this is the only time they've ever done this. This is the only episode of The Muppet Show where every song is written by the same person. Uh, Liberace? He didn't write write the Fair. songs that he was yeah, playing. Yeah. This is every single song is written by Paul Simon, whether he's doing it or not. Kermit introduces the first number with Paul, um, and he introduces Scarborough Fair. And um, we come up on basically like what looks like a Ren Fair, and uh, Paul is playing a lute, and he is singing their song Parsley Sage, Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Time, Scarborough Fair. The best part about this is Miss Piggy. She is great in this. The best part about this number is Miss Piggy, for sure. I, I enjoyed it. It felt a little bit unfocused. Like, I, I like the song fine. Um, it just, the 
the jokes that they were throwing in didn't really sync with it as well. Link shows up as the Sheriff of Nottingham, which is a nice little <laughs> confusion there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it's a fun number. And what makes it is Piggy's off-key singing of Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Time. Off-key and more and more enthusiastic presentation of Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Time. But, uh, but yeah, and Link shows up and arrests him with for playing a loot without a license. But uh, I don't know. I, I like this number a lot. This is what I think of when I think of the Paul Simon episode. Hmm. I think of him just with his loot interacting. Cur- for some reason, Scooter's on a fife. That actually makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not sure why. And then it, it's also important, important to point out we also have guys on stilts, because that's going to matter. In just a few seconds. Line. Sing fast. We go backstage after Scarborough Fair. We've got this great bit. And I think I think I remember reading in of Muppets and Men that it's Steve Whitmire who's doing this this guy on stilts the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just wandering around in the in the back. It's it's kind of the secondary backstage story. Is that there's just a dude on stilts backstage that keeps running into stuff and falling over. Gonzo comes up to Kermit and he's very excited about Paul Simon being on the show because Paul Simon's the type of performer he'd like to be. Um, but Gonzo has decided that he's going to take up songwriting. If Gonzo were the front of prog rock band, like if he just decided that he wanted to create Yes, I 100% would be there for it. <laughs> I might be the only person in the audience. But the idea of Gonzo doing an album of four songs that are like 20 minutes each, I 100% buy. So then we get a number that I love. Problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'm here to help you in your struggling to be free. There must be fifty ways to leave your lover. Fifty ways to leave your lover. Or Floyd and Janice sing 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, not Love Your Lever. Animals on the animals on the drums and Rizzo is on the tambourine. <laughs> this is the second time we get a Love Your Lever joke because Rolf comes in in the middle of it and interrupts it. And I actually got mad at Rolf for interrupting it because I was enjoying the number too much. This was just seeing Floyd and Janice be able to do their thing is always fun. But yeah, it, it didn't need the interruption. This could have been a straight musical number. Yeah, I wish it had been, because I, I got legit mad at Rolf. Let let them play, they're kicking ass. But it's still really good. Just slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, stand. No need to be coy, Roy. Just listen to me, Roy. Hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, And get yourself free. And get yourself free. And get yourself free. And get yourself free. Then we go backstage and Pops, who's becoming more of a backstage character than I remember. He, th- I think this is the first 
time that I can, unless I missed it in a recent episode, we don't usually see him after the intro. No, he was in, he showed up in a musical number like last week. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we get a lot more pops this week out in front of the camera. Pops is just in the dressing room with Paul Simon and he basically asks him to play one of his songs. And he plays uh, a song called A Long, Long Day. By the end of it, all the Muppets are in there. And in a very kind of season one feeling moment, Mm -hmm. all the Muppets end up in his dressing room while he sings the song. I'm going to be honest, this bored my youngest to tears. It's a slow song. It's a good one. It's a very pretty song, but there's not much to say about it. It's a very straightforward rendition of the song. There's no jokes. There's really nothing going on. It's just the Muppets come in and watch him sing. It would have been easier on a more upbeat song, I think, if they had just done that and everyone was enjoying it or singing along. But yeah, yeah, right. no, this, they, is a, this is incredibly season one. So for some reason, our UK spot this week is Veterinarian's Hospital. So that's confusing for a couple of reasons, not the least of which the additional pig that's in there seems like she's been lobotomized. Like there's all of the rest of the, the Muppets are super expressive and she's not. Oh, you mean Piggy's pig puppet is yeah, but it's still Piggy has a pig puppet. It's like a, it's like a piggy puppet that she's playing with. It's true. It just, there's something un, unsettling about it. Like a, a meta uncanny Valley, just because it's so close in form to the Muppets that we see running around doing the things. But uh, we come in and Piggy is playing with a puppet of her, basically. Um, and then the camera catches her and she puts it away. And then um, the patient this week is Gonzo, who says that he just showed up for the laughs, which Piggy informs him he probably came to the wrong place. This is good. We, I, I feel like this is the point at which the, the I'm going to mispronounce it because it's been reinterpreted a couple of times. Leave your lover puns are like one time too many. Oh, the 50 ways to leave your liver. Yeah, which is actually half decent in and of itself, but in conjunction with the other ones that we've heard. Yeah. It it doesn't really do it. Gonzo offers to uh, donate his body to science while he's still alive. He absolutely would. But he talks about how he believes in reincarnation, and uh, that's why he doesn't mind donating his body to science while he's still alive. But uh, yeah, and then it, then it ends with a 50 ways to leave your liver joke. The UK spot continues, though, because that was fairly short and it needed to fill a full two minutes where we get a little bit of Statler and Waldorf and a misunderstanding about a coat and a goat. And then we get still still part of the UK spot, the Muppet Newsflash, where the newsman announces that all library fines for all overdue for all overdue books, Nick, for all of them, apparently, are going to be forgiven um, if they're returned to the station in the next three seconds. And, you know. He might as well put on a construction helmet at this point. You see exactly where that's going. Although it is three UK spots in a row is weird. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole thing is just this. Just they needed they need to fill up two minutes, right? Hmm. So it's two minutes worth of material that they put together. That's technically the UK spot. Yeah, him getting pummeled by the books was was expected, but still satisfying. We continue continuing our backstage story of Gonzo's desire to be a songwriter. He comes back to the dressing room, uh, to Paul's dressing room. He play he he compliments Paul's clarinet, which is actually a guitar. So Gonzo's already right on it. He sings a song for he it he tells Paul that he's been writing songs and he goes and he sings one for him. And I'm gonna put it right here. For you, I'd wash my hair with stinky glue. I'd fry my legs and eat them too. I'd put a spider in my shoe. For you, he'd fry his legs and eat them too. Paul is not a huge fan of the song. He has a few critiques. And then he tells Gonzo, listen, I will 
I will never play this guitar again unless I'm playing one of your songs. And then he stands up and smashes the guitar. And my nine-year-old who takes guitar lessons was horrified. Fair. I mean, it was a good turnabout, but also to Gonzo's credit, he's not bad. He's just ahead of his time because all of those lyrics are straight early aughts emo lyrics, which, you know, your mileage is going to vary on. (laughs) Early high school, me would have been like, yeah, I absolutely feel all of this. This is upsetting. So Kermit calls for Gonzo to um, come out and uh, to do his number. He's supposed to um, do an underwater heart operation on himself, which again kind of goes along with the whole donating his body to science. If anyone could pull it off, though, it would be Gonzo. But he doesn't pull it off because he told Kermit the last time he did it, he died. I was dead for three minutes. And then there's there's maybe my favorite line in the episode. Listen, Gonzo, I'm telling you flatly, you can't sing. Oh, I can sing flatly. I love it. So Gonzo says, okay, well, if you don't want one of my songs, how about I do a Paul Simon song? Because every song tonight is supposed to be a Paul Simon song. So I'll do a Paul Simon song. Kermit's still skeptical, but lets him go on. And uh, Gonzo comes out and he sings... Uh, him and a bunch of his chickens sing uh, El Condor Pasa, the the Simon and Garfunkel song. You know, I'd rather be a hammer than a nail. But he gives it his own avant-garde reading. Did you say more more abstract lyrics from Gonzo? I, I Actually, they're not that abstract. Weird. They're just weird. Yeah. You can say that it's abstracted a bit. I'd rather be a pancake than a sneeze. In the tree. life of ease. I'd rather be an elbow than a drain. In the rain. It's very plain. Hey, Gonzo. You got the melody right, but I think those are the wrong words. You write them your way, I'll write them mine. So Gonzo writes it, writes it his way. Um, I think in a very funny me- moment, Beauregard's like, what are you going to do? He's singing your song. And he's like, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to take the chickens. <laughs> that was probably my takeaway for the episode, too. Is did Paul Simon just cuckold Gonzo? Yeah, he did. <laughs> cuckold. <laughs> yeah, he, did, he totally did. Because he's a rock star. So he just goes, hey, girls, where's a party at my place? And all the chickens go gaga and run off stage to be with him. But I, I, it's my, to me, it's Paul Simon's best moment. Mm-hmm. It's when he just goes, I'm going to take the chickens. It's also when he shows the most agency in this episode. Gonzo calls them traitors, calls Camilla a traitor. Kermit then uh, <laughs> poses the question is, is it a good idea to let a 12-month-old baby drive on the freeway while playing a ukulele? And we get the return of Bobby Benson and his baby band singing, of course, Baby Driver while they are driving a, a pram down the street. More babies, Nick. So here's the, it's not just that anymore. Why are they still enunciating? This stresses me out kind of like the uh, the Roy Rogers episode, just because I was sure something bad was going to happen to one of them because, you know, they're moving at high speeds. Before the season, it was just goo goo gaga. And now they're like making phrases, which is weird and uncomfortable. They're singing. Yeah, it's uncomfortable is all. So backstage, very bizarre moment. Very bizarre moment where Gonzo has decided that chickens are too fickle and instead he's going to have a new obsession and that new obsession is going to be asparagus. So this actually, this is on brand for Gonzo because back in the Madeline Kahn episode, he was pretty ready to attend PTA meetings. There wasn't any real consideration about how the kids would come along or anything like that. And as soon as she rejects him, he's like, you'll have to go to the PTA meetings by yourself. I I think this is just how he copes. (laughs) Like he gets left by a woman. He's like, I will be a father. It's the uh, the big daddy approach. 
So he brings out he brings out basically a nest of eggs and says that these are his asparagus eggs. And Kermit has to break it to him that asparagus grow on grow. They don't they don't hatch. <laughs> and Conso's like, what? I've been bamboozled. <laughs> and runs off stage to go, I guess, go get revenge on the person that sold him these magic eggs. But then uh, but then the eggs crack and we get little baby asparagus who immediately imprint on the Kermit. And start calling him Dada. It's not the first time he's been he's been mistaken for a dada. That's true. It's also a few years too early for the rock, or not Rocky Horror, uh, Pet Shop of Horrors, Little Shop. Yeah, Little Shop of Horrors. But I was expecting it to go in that direction a little bit. Or Directed I guess by probably, Frank Oz. Was it? Yep. That makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Yep. But yeah, that's immediately where my mind went as soon as that hit. Yeah. So they have these little baby asparagus running around now. Very bizarre moment. But him be him calling him dada was good. Um, we get our closing number with Paul singing Loves Me Like a Rock. When I was a little boy, when I was just a boy, and the devil called my name, when I was just a boy, well, I'd say, who do, say, who do you think you're fooling? When I was just a boy, I'm a consecrated boy, when I was just a boy, a singer in a Sunday choir, my mama loves me, she loves me. Um, another one of his songs, backed by Dr. Teeth, and then there's those three female whatnot singers. Those are the uh, the ones from the the Jeepers Peepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the that model of Muppet of uh, whatnot. Yeah, and uh, all I wrote on this was thumbs up. Yeah. It's not really funny. Doesn't really have to be though, especially as a closing number. No, he he just he just plays. It's really it's really really cool, and he's you know he's very charismatic, and he just plays his song, and uh, it's, it's, there's a reason why he's Paul Simon. It's a good song. And then at the closing, um, uh, Paul has the chickens with him, but he he uh, scares them away by calling for chicken dinners. That scares the chickens away. And then there's a joke about the asparagus and whatever. It's it's, it's whatever it is. I don't know. I I I really like this episode. I, I have this this episode is very. It's it's in my um, pantheon of comfort episodes. I think I could absolutely see that. Yeah, Simon was a lot of fun as a, a guest. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's you know, and by this point he had done some acting and he had been on SNL a bunch, so he, you know, he he knows how to play. And he really and and the musical numbers are all really good because they're playing Paul Simon songs, like it's hard to miss, you know. Especially 1980, you know, maybe people can have their opinions on his later stuff, but like at this time he's at the he's not at the height of his powers, but he's still kind of riding riding high, you know. 
But it's it's a good one. It's a good episode to me. I really like it. It's the Muppet Show with our very special guest star, Melissa Manchester. Yay! No, I had never heard of Melissa Manchester. Honestly, I was surprised that I recognized a couple of her songs, and I can't remember. Maybe it was like, you know, in the 90s, like late night television would have those CD collections that they would sell on infomercials of like top hits from whatever decade or era. Yeah. I think she was featured on a couple of those. So some of her songs sounded vaguely familiar, but I, outside of that, I had no real concept of her. My wife knew the songs because her dad was a dentist and she grew up in a dentist office. And these are definitely dentist office songs. I could absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah. It made her teeth hurt just watching the episode. This episode like split a weird line for me, but before we get to that, I should probably tell you a little bit about our guest star. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Manchester, born day after born day after Valentine's Day in 1951 in the Bronx to David Manchester, who was a bassoonist for the New York Metropolitan Opera, and Ruth Manchester, who was the owner and designer for Ruth Manchester Limited clothing firm. She started playing. She started singing, playing piano and harpsichord at a pretty early age. By the time she was 15, she was singing commercial jingles. And by 17, she was a staff writer at Chappelle Music and attending Manhattan School of Perform- Manhattan's High School of Performing Arts. So basically out of the gate, she's immersed in this. At NYU, she studied songwriting with Paul Simon. They played the Manhattan club scene, and she would end up making friends with another singer named Barry Manilow, who would introduce her to Bette Midler. By There's 19, a lot of big names in there. There are. She was just in the right place. I mean, not just, I, I don't want to say that because it seems like it diminishes her talent. She she worked very hard and she was very accomplished at what she did. But there is definitely a, a right place, right time feeling to this because she met so many big names that or names that were going to be so big. In 1971, she became a member of the Harlettes, who were the backup singers for Bette Midler. In 1973, she released her debut album, Home to Myself, and she co-wrote many of the songs with Carol Bayer Sager. So um, there's a lot of detail about specific songs she released and, and things like that. Not as much about her, uh, her personal life, life, but we'll, we'll still go through this a fair amount. 1974, she, pers- 1974, she performed the songs Oh Have and Home to Myself on the pilot episode of Miss Magazine's TV show Woman Alive, which I guess was an early feminist broadcast. Kind of like The View. Kind of like The View. Maybe. 1975, we get the album Melissa, which produced her first top 10 hit. She's also, I don't know fully what her her interaction with the Beatles is, but in 1977, she appeared as a special contributor to the NBC documentary, How the Beatles Changed the World. On an earlier National Lampoon album, she provided the voice for Yoko Ono. (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, we get her Muppet Show appearance in 1980. 1983, she wins a Grammy for Best Pop Female Vocal Performance for the song You Should Hear How She Talks About You. My One of my big personal... Actually, this is probably where my first big personal hook for her came. Uh, 1992, she sang the theme song for Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland. Okay. Which is... I'm, I'm not going to go on a tangent about Little Nemo. I could... Just saying I could. Bette Midler film for the boys also featured... She was also featured as an actress on the show Blossom. In oh. two, 2004, she released her first album in nine years, When I Looked Down That Road. And in 2013, she crowdfunded an album via Indiegogo called You Gotta Love the Life. She's still performing. She's still recording. She recorded her 24th album during the pandemic. And as as of this recording, she's still alive and well and probably working on more and more interesting music. 
But that is Melissa Manchester. Yeah, I'd never heard of her. I'd never heard her by name. I've definitely heard her songs. The Muppet Show, episode 512, featuring guest star Melissa Manchester, produced between July 1st and July 4th, 1980. It would premiere in the UK on November 16th of that year, and it would premiere stateside June 8th of the following year. We get our cold open, of course, featuring Pops. And I, honestly, I feel like I haven't seen Crazy Harry in a little while, so I'm, I'm glad that he got to pop up. But Melissa basically thinks that she's arrived in the wrong place because she was, quote, booked on some weird show with Rambunction. And like, because she was, quote, book, booked on some weird show. And then out of nowhere, Animal comes in, Crazy Harry comes in, and a two-headed woman comes in. Yeah. And she's like, oh, nope, I guess I've arrived. Just a little bit of Muppet chaos. Oh, yeah. Which, you don't have Muppets without chaos. There are order Muppets, but there are also definitely chaos Muppets. We go through the Muppet show theme, and Gonzo gets ready to blow his trumpet, but I'm surprised it's taken this long to see Kermit do this. Kermit just comes in and cuts Gonzo off. Kermit's usually the one trying to keep everything together, but it's nice to see him start messing with people every once in a while. Our, Our opening number features the Vienna Downhill Boys Choir, which I don't think we've we've seen them before. I do want to note that Kermit opens this by saying, with the miracle of expensive special effects. Yes. Which yes. is great, because you just have a green, spe- green in the background and all of these guys tumbling all over the place. Uh, it's Tumbling Tumbleweeds is a Sons of the Pioneers song from 1934. This opener was kind of eh to me, but the fact that Kermit set it up by saying expensive se- special effects got at least a chuckle it gets really repetitive and there's no real payoff it's just like running chaos and then blah yeah this sketch is a little bit of a miss just a bit the setup was good though backstage the uh the skiers come out in casts and in wheelchairs and this is actually probably a better joke than was present in the sketch by itself they say that they learned from the best who's a muppet named klaus noodleman and Kermit's like, who's Klaus Noodleman? And he comes out as the guy that's confined to a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. But we, we get Melissa's first number, which is a song. It, I think this is like that infomercial song that I didn't realize that I'd heard, which is her hit single from 1978 called Don't Cry Out Loud. Baby cried the day the circus came to town. Cause she didn't want parades just passing by her. And it's this weird circus set. There's a tiny clown on a tightrope. Um, and then we've got a bunch of people in like full-size Muppet outfits. It's, I'm trying to remember why I, I put in a note about toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I know that there was something that I saw in the sketch that made me think, talk, and I was probably thinking it with a tongue firmly in cheek. I just wrote down clowns. Yeah, clown. These ones don't scare me like a lot of the other ones have, though. Oh, okay. All right. Weirdly That's enough. Good. These look more like ice cream cones than anything else. It's it's fine. My wife and I had the same reaction to the song, where we were like, oh, this song. Exact. My roommate and I thought the exact same thing. It's like, I have heard this, I think... And I didn't recognize it until she hit the chorus, but... Or I've heard so- many songs that sound like this. This is the same basic tune of All By Myself, isn't it? It kind of is, yeah. I was wondering if that was also her, and I just, like... Because the, the vocals... Or if that's what we're thinking that we've heard before. It's possible. 
But yeah, it is the, it is the melody to All By Myself. It was fine. Yeah, it's fine. This is one of those things that's just sort of like a... There's a subset of Muppet Show bits that I feel like are of a different time. Yeah. And it's not necessarily for me, but that doesn't make it bad. go backstage and the skier so the i feel like the first bit was just there to set up a good chunk of the back backstage story which with the skiers yeah it's not it doesn't do a lot kermit tells the skiers that the show will cover their medical expenses which is interesting because he doesn't pay anyone no not very much uh he also mentions that scooter had to remember to pay the check which is probably his get out of jail free card because (laughs) he just kermit's in full chaos mode tonight, he uh, he basically throws Scooter to the wolves. Yes. Which, I mean, they might not be able to move that well, but the joke about them inviting Scooter to their cast party is actually a pretty solid one. I got, I got a good chuckle out of that. In a sketch that I'm surprised isn't our, Q, our UK number, because it feels like it. Bo is on and he plays a song called Oh Susanna. It was released in 1848. <laughs> uh, and it's just Bo playing harmonica on a rocking chair that's uh, a bit excitable. Although I do want to draw attention to the fact that this is the first time that we've seen Bo's legs, or this is the first time that we've noticed that Bo really likes to wear Uggs. And I'm not sure which is the case. <laughs> are they Uggs or are they natural Uggs? I'd, I don't know. They're fuzzy. They're real fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a little put off by seeing full-bodied Bo. There's that. There's also like, I mean, Bo would wear, wear pants flooded though. That's Yeah. I absolutely, yeah. We go to our Muppet News Flash where hmm. poor the Muppet Newsman he gets it this week. He does. I just feel like he's got an ice bath waiting for him at home every night just to like take the swelling down. Uh, he reports it's like Ben Affleck and Daredevil. Oh, yeah. I'm the good guy. But he he lets you know that beef fell dramatically on Wall Street. And I'm sure you can guess where this is going. A particularly aerodynamic cow just yeah. comes crashing down the center of the screen and hits him in the head. Maybe that's something for me to pitch is that the entire Muppet show is just the result of blunt force trauma to the Muppet newsman's head and him hallucinating all of this stuff after what taking like one too many hits Poor, poor newsman. He's not done yet. He's not. Melissa's waiting in the wings with Kermit and she wonders where the cow came from. Kermit, where did that cow come from? He seemed to fall right out of the sky. Yeah. Well, we see, he said that beef was falling in the, well, it's a little hard to explain. Uh, why don't we just watch Pigs in Space? Oh, no. Uh, don't worry. Things only fall on the newsman. I think Kermit keeps the newsman around as a lightning rod because he says that these things only really happen to the newsman. That's true. He does say that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Kermit lets him know that Pigs in Space is next. And she feels relieved because she thought it was Pigs from Space. And as soon as he says that, the newsman just gets it again because he's got a problem with farm animals, I guess. <laughs> just gets a couple of pigs in astronaut costumes dropped on his head. 
so weird. It's not Piggy and Link that fall down. It's just a couple of pigs in astronaut outfits, generic well, pigs. There's that, but there's also, in that particular case, it wasn't him performing in his own demise. That was just like him walking backstage. He was just going home. Right. Like He was just on his way out to the car to go pop some Vicodin, get over this headache he got from getting hit with a cow. To be fair, he probably shouldn't be driving at this point. Go home to his ice bath and his scotch and get ready to do it again tomorrow. Like, that's what he was on his way to do, and they drop a couple of goddamn pigs on his head. I'm going to butcher this quote. There's a story that Dennis Hopper told about his kids asking him why he was in the Super Mario Brothers movie, and him saying something to the effect of, you guys needed shoes. I'm doing this for you. (laughs) My favorite favorite quote about uh, someone doing a bad movie is Michael Caine in Jaws 4, where he said, uh, I've never seen the movie, but I hear it's terrible. But I've seen the house that it built, and it's fantastic. That is a great quote. We get to our pigs in space where uh, there's a creature that they're going to encounter from it. Uh, it's just chopped liver. It's, yeah, it's chopped liver. But it's chopped liver on the ship and you've got the, what's the word I'm thinking of? Or the phrase I'm thinking of? The, the language breakdown dynamic where neither side understands what the other's saying. Of course, Miss Piggy ever so helpfully tells them to use the ship's universal translator. And I don't know how to put this gently. I don't think I would trust any wash day miracle or cleaning agent that this any kind of cleaning product from him. Yeah. Like it doesn't, there are questions that I feel like are indelicate to ask, but I don't trust it. I like that piggy comes out. Piggy, piggy's not even in this sketch. She's trying to take a nap. Hmm. So she comes out and she's like, I'm trying to take a nap. And they're like, there's this terrible monster. She's like, use the interpreter. And she doesn't stick around to hear what the translation is. She just goes back to her nap. Yeah, it just ends. It just turns out that the monster is a salesman. We've been trying to contact you about your ship's extended warranty. So we uh, we get to our UK spot and it's Pops is performing. I guess everyone just like deals with a bit of hazing or like something else dealing with the backstage. And at some point you're going to end up on stage, even if you're Sattler and Waldorf. But uh, Fozzie and Pops are... I'm forgetting the name for the the type of setup, but you've got the the straw hat and the uh, it's not a barbershop quartet look, but it kind of is kind of is vaudeville look. Yeah, uh, they sing a song called Wants in Love with Amy. Oh, once in love with Amy. With Amy. Always in love with Amy. This is it. Ever <laughs> and ever. Fascinated by her, set your heart afire to stay turned. Once you're kissed by Amy, tear up your list. It's Amy. Which Chasing Amy was a great movie. I'm just gonna leave that there. Uh, but Fozzie can't keep up, and Pop is just running circles around Fozzie, which is just it's fun. What's a Nubian? Um. <laughs> We, we get Melissa, and we haven't seen a lot of Melissa just sort of being Melissa. That was her waiting in the wings and worrying about the newsman, but she's got some half-decent acting chops. I might put them on level with Gina Davis, specifically Gina Davis in the early, early Marvel film, Howard the Duck. There is this dynamic between her and Floyd as she flirts with Floyd, because she's absolutely flirting with Floyd, but she's flirting with Floyd in the way that Gina Davis flirts with Howard and Howard the Duck, and I wasn't really sure how to feel about that particular comparison. It hit me immediately well first of all it was leah thompson i completely got that wrong you were right (laughs) how did i screw that up that badly it's okay but uh yeah no there's there's some definite sexy vibes between the two of them which i don't think janice would appreciate uh i don't know what kind of arrangement they have 
That's true. They're, uh, it might be kind of open. Now, I guess it didn't creep me out as much because Floyd is a human puppet. Yeah. I can't believe I, I guess or a catfish. He's either he's either a human or a catfish. He's absolutely human. He's a whatnot. He's just, you know, he might have cataracts. So I guess I wasn't as creeped out about the flirting hmm. as I am in Howard the Duck. Fair. That's a I love that movie. That is not the same thing as it being a good movie. Oh, I will not accept anyone who tells me it's a good movie. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. Some part of that. I grew up on it too. Yeah. It explains some part of my sensibility. That's not the same thing as it being a good movie. I saw that shit in the theater, yo. Oh, man. It came out in 89, right? 86. She sings a song called Whenever I Call You Friend. Oh, I'm playing the blues. Do you like blues music? Only when I'm depressed. Do you get depressed often? Only when I play the blues. You're weird. I may be weird, but you're beautiful. It's funny you should feel that way because I've always had a thing for weirdos, man. Now, how can I tell when you're being serious? (laughs) Whenever I call you friend, friend. Okay, friend, let's communicate. within your eyes and that's all I need to show me why so there's something about Melissa in this episode which is something that I was not I, I don't think I've experienced with any of our other guest hosts which is I was kind of ambivalent toward her I start warming up to her and by the time we hit our final number I'm still warming up but it's not a very clear like or dislike thing I think there's something we were on our way to that we never quite arrive at. And one of my notes for this is she does have a really nice voice. She does. It's just the song selection isn't for me. Yeah. Something something doesn't quite land. But I, I don't think that's anything that would mark or hold against her. Yeah. Just, I don't know. This was fine. I mean, this was just another... This was exactly like Paul Simon. Yeah. Guest sings a song and everybody gathers around. At least in here, they sing. They sing with her. In Paul Simon, they didn't sing with her. This was okay. This was another. This was another like Dennis Office song. So we go backstage again, where we meet the Titarini family. And Chad, why didn't we have a cultural content warning on this episode? Because we're still allowed to, allowed to make fun of Italians. Okay. Um, That's yeah, all I got you, for you. <laughs> if you'd swap this to another ethnicity, I'm sure it would have been there in spades. It just felt weird. I was like, this is very clearly poking fun. Was uh, in the first or second season, there was a Polish joke that we were just sort of like, that seems kind of weird. This yeah. feels like it comes from a similar place. Outside of that, it's it's a pretty standard Muppet bit. We've got that chaos coming. People are going to be, or Muppets are going to be flying. When Fozzie goes flying, it's the best part. Oh, that was so good. He, he did nothing wrong. <laughs> he just walked backstage. Yeah, poor, poor Fozzie. Yeah, he just walks by. Yeah, he gets stuck in the teeter-totter. It just goes ragdoll. We go we go back on stage where I'm going to keep thinking of that bird with the, the pink feathers as the bird from the Disney sing-along tape because the real resemblance is uncanny. But okay. 
we've got three birds and a guitar plucking the song How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? At which point, as you might expect, we get a bunch of dogs, but also the walrus. And the walrus always makes me uncomfortable for some reason. You don't like the walrus? Something about the way that it's designed, I just... I don't know. I like the joke. It's a good joke. Dog, 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 walrus. (laughs) It's a nice, tidy number. The Swedish chef bit. I love the Swedish chef so much. More projectile chickens. Projectile chickens, but also I laughed harder at this than I feel like I should have. Because you see the punchline coming. The second you hear spring chickens, I'm waiting for the Sonic the Hedgehog sound effect. Just Joe you know was weird on this one though? This the, the announcer introduced him. I didn't catch that, but you're right. Today the Swedish chef will prepare spring chicken. I guess maybe it didn't come across. That could be it. So they had to kind of put a little band-aid there. Hmm. Someone is standing underneath the pout, just throwing chicken puppets up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably having a hell of a time doing it. Just launching chickens into the air. I laughed a lot harder at this than I probably should have. Um, But it's it was a good solid Swedish chef bit. Dude, throwing animals up into the air is funny. It's true. It just is. Throwing throwing Muppets into the air is funny. Also true. See Fozzie just like five minutes ago. But we go backstage and the chef. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just laughing ahead of time. Huh? I'm just laughing ahead of time. <laughs> I loved, I loved, like, Gonzo's timing is perfect on this. I feel control over this show slipping. Skiers on crutches and chickens on springs. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Kermit was just sitting there looking at him like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a good joke. We then get to our closing number, which honestly, after some time to reflect on it, this feels like it should have been our opening number. Okay. It doesn't feel like a closing number. There's no, there's nothing that it brings to a close. There's no circle that it completes. But also the note that I put was that she's winning me over slowly. And the mutations don't get enough love. But Melissa sings the song, Your Cheatin' Heart, which was written by Hank Williams in 1952. Uh, and it features Link cheating on her with Annie Sue. But, and it's... It's a set that they've used a handful of times any time they're in Spain or, I guess, certain parts of Latin America. But it doesn't feel like a closing number. I do, but it, it warmed me up to her, and I felt myself like gradually being like, I'm digging her sound, I'm digging her voice. But it yeah. then the episode ends, and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel complete. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, that would be kind of frustrating if you just now warmed up to her. And the, and the episode's over. So you, you, so does that mean you like this number better? Oh, yes. I, I thought this okay. was a great one. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of, um, got it, even Rita Moreno back in season mm. one. But um, The red dress. Yeah, the red dress and the um, the Yapachi dance. But yeah, no, this is, this is really good, and it's funny, and you got Link, so I'm down. And, um, uh, and, and I think you're right. I think it would make a better opening number. I mean, I don't think it makes a bad closing number. I think the other part of it is none of her other numbers would have made good closing numbers necessarily. Like, this is probably her strongest one, so I get it. But also, if this had set the tone for her for the rest of the show, they would have needed a different closing number and something like to bring it home. But I think it would have brought us in on a much better note. Maybe. Yeah. No, I can I can see that. After the number, Melissa comes out to say goodnight, and she mentions, you know, the teeterinis and the chickens and the skiers, and I guess everything that was probably about to hit her in the head. Kermit tries to assure that next week's going to be much better, though I guess she would come back to guest host again, but a yodeling hang glider comes in. 
And he's not due until the next episode. So I've never been properly hang gliding, but I have to imagine that it's probably hard to breathe when you're moving that fast at high altitude. Oh, it's probably, probably takes some skill to be a yodeling hang glider. Yodeling's not easy. Hang gliding's not easy. It's impressive. I don't know if it's something I'd really want to see. I don't know if hang gliding's easy or not. I've never done it. Yeah. Part of me feels like it's real easy. You just kind of like You just sort of hold yourself straight, I imagine. But doing that and maintaining the breath support to yodel. Yeah, that might be tough. But he, he crashes into the stage bind. I feel like... There was a, a coherence to the backstage story this week, but there wasn't really a backstage story or on, on this episode. Yeah, this one just didn't, it didn't come together all the way. It's not bad. It's not, no. No, but it, it's not, it doesn't quite, there's something missing from it. And it doesn't necessarily have that like standout number. I think Pops and Fozzie is pretty good, is a good number. But besides that, it doesn't have a real standout thing. Like Paul Simon, it's got a couple of standout performances. It's got some good, funny stuff. I, I think you're right. I think the the skiing number doesn't work so well. And that kind of, that sets up the whole episode. Yeah. And it just, just doesn't quite work. I mean, there, there's it, it's not flawed in concept. It's just, um, and, and it's not it's not because the effects are bad. It's funny because the effects are bad. Mm-hmm. But you're right. What they're what's actually happening? There's no rhyme or reason to it, and um, it just falls a little flat to me. Like I, I thought, my kids would be laughing their asses off watching these guys get knocked over, and they weren't. There's no there's no investment in those characters. Like there was, a, I can't remember what episode it was, but there was a number where you had mountain climbers trying to go up the mountain, and every time they hit the chorus, one of them got knocked off. Yeah, it was so good. And you have that progression of like the last guy realizing that it's going to happen to him too and not wanting to reach the chorus. I forget the name of the song, but yeah. There's no progression to the skiers though. The skiers are just like random bullshit go sort of. Next time. Meep. So uh, next time we're going to be doing episode 513 with uh, actor Tony Randall, odd couple Half of the odd couple, Tony Randall. And then uh, episode 514 with singer Mac Davis. There's a lot of beaker in that one. Ooh, I'm excited. Check us out on social media, what there is left of it. Go to the website, uh, leave a review on your podcast app of choice, really helps. Um, and then uh, we'll be back to, uh, we'll be back to start getting into the second half of season, uh, of uh, season five. So uh, until then, I'm Chad. I'm Nick. And thank you for listening. A Feed of Lunatic Daring is written and produced by Chad J. Shonk and hosted by Chad J. Shonk and Nicholas Jackson. Music by Seth Podowitz. And a proud production of Antithesis Audio. Hey, you old fool! You slept through the show! Who's a fool? You watched it!